overhead. Tonight I want to talk to you about something I meditated on for years and years and years. I preached on it a few, few times, a few different directions. I want to try to readdress that. If you would take your Bible, look in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And then uh, verse 17. I'm going to go a couple places. 1917. Jesus' words. He says, well, and the parable is speaking here, parable of 10 pounds. He says, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, thou shalt have authority over 10 cities. The idea of being faithful in a very little. You and I do not have to be faithful in a lot. We, you know, what God asks us to do is not overwhelming. It's doable. Very, very doable. You can be faithful in very little. I'll go to Matthew 25, and we'll read that whole section there. Where he words it a little differently. Also, take, take your uh, Bibles to Matthew 18. Little groundwork for this. Matthew 18, 14. Matthew 18, 14. Now you know why I don't look stuff up and have it on my notes mostly. It's much quicker. But then you got you get to look it up. 18, 14, 18, 15. In fact, this whole chapter 18, he says, starting in verse 3, he says, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's hard for us, isn't it? Verse 2, he said, Jesus called a little child unto them. The word little child there means I'm, we're thinking like two, three-year-old. We're thinking like a wheelbarrow, his age. About wheel, call wheelbarrow up. And, and there's something beautiful about that age. or something awful about that age also <laughs> called the terrible twos. I mean, I never spanked my kid any more than he ever. He got spankings 10 a day was probably just an average. But... Uh, but nevertheless, it's, it, 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 to a point, as you're teaching them, it's such a beautiful time of life. He talks in verse 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Again, verse 5, And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name. And then in verse uh, 14, he says, Even so, it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. We believe here at the gospel in children's ministry. Why? Because Jesus believed in it. We're all over it. If you look around here, you'll notice the school. It's because we believe in reaching children for Christ. Nobody's right mind would start a school. Um, we do the bus ministry. Nobody in his right mind would do a bus ministry. The liability alone is just out of this world. With Morgan and Morgan out there saying, you hurt? You injured? Call me. There's only one Morgan and Morgan. I'm glad. And so you have them breathing down your neck. And you got, you're picking these kids up. Why would you do that? Because 
we believe in reaching children with the gospel. Why? Because Jesus believed in reaching children with the gospel. In fact, he says, you become more in your transparency. You become more like them and less like sophisticated adults which like to hide and play games and act. He said, don't act, don't hide, don't play a game. Be, your, be who you are by the grace of God. And a wheel, a wheel, he don't play no games, does he? When he sees me, pasta! Does he say pasta? You teach that boy Eastern language already? Pastor Beal, he said, he saw me the other night, he said, Pastor Beal doesn't have his coat on. Man, boy's observant, man. Smart kid. Takes after his mother. Matthew, take your Bibles now to Matthew 25. It shocks me that it's not God's will that any one of these little ones perish, but they do. God doesn't get his way. When he gave us freedom, he really meant it when he gave it to us. He gave you freedom to go to heaven or freedom to go to hell. But he means it. When he made us in, it, when he made us in his image, he made us in his image. The, the prerogative of freedom, choice. I don't know why anybody would want to give that up. I don't see how the Calvinist reasons around that whole thing, a choice that makes it where you're just a robot doing exactly what God wants you to do, how he wants you to do it. I don't see how they... I don't see how they get that out of, out of that, out of just reading this common Bible. I've studied it. So in 25, we see here about a, about a parable again. For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants, delivered them his goods of value, by the way. And under one, he gave five talents, and one he gave two, and one he gave one, everyone according to his several ability. And there was... With the, with the talents, he gives you what you need to do. What you, in other words, if he gives you five talents, he gives you the ability to do it. If he gives you one talent, he gives you the ability to do it. He says some, some are 30-fold Christians, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Amen? I preached a sermon. I wish the 100-fold Christians would quit, quit derogatorily speaking about the 30-fold Christians, like they're lazy or not doing what God wants them to do. If you're a 30-fold Christian, you're doing what, everything God wants you to do. You just may be a 30-fold Christian, not a 100-fold Christian. Because what I see here is a just distribution according to your activity. In verse 16, then he received the five talents, went traded them the same, made five talents. You know what? And they had two gained two. So the five gained five, had ten. The two gained two and had four. The one, he hit it in the ground, didn't gain any. And they come and there was a reckoning. And by the way, there will be a reckoning for your life. Your life will be reckoned. My life will be reckoned. God is not, God makes it real clear. He's not a respecter of persons. There is no just judge as just as Jesus. He's, a ju he's just and the justifier of him, which cometh to him. So he's just. You stand before the just judge, Jesus Christ, who, who by the way, died for you and gave his life for you. So, but the deeds done in your body, whether they be good or bad, are going to be given an account of someday. This preacher and every other preacher that tries to encourage you to work till Jesus comes is your best friend.
friend. I simply am your best friend. Now, I may not slobber all over you, and I may not be real sentimental, but I'm telling you, when I tell you to get out, get up, gut up, and do something for God, I am your best friend. Because a few years from now, you're going to be standing for Jesus, and your accounting is going to take place. Amen? That's good stuff. You don't have to stand before that accounting with, oh, I blew it. You don't have to. The guy that had five gained five. What's he say? I've gained five besides talent. He says, ooh, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. I think that's a pretty good reward, amen? The one who gained two from the two, which is not as many as ten. I mean, you know, I'm real deep math tonight. What, what, what was he told? He said, I have been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things under the joy of the Lord. It looks to me he got the same congratulations, the same pleasure of God. But the poor guy that got the one, that could have just done one, just reproduced himself. He hit it. He was scared. He, God's a pretty tough guy. I'm not going to go out there and blow it. I stutter. I may embarrass myself. I may get rejected. People may treat me mean. The hundred reasons why not to do it that your mind can come up with. And he didn't do it. So what is he told? He said, thou wicked, slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I not straw. Verse 26. You should have put my money exchangers in. You should have made some. God has given you and I life, and he wants something back for it. Why do you think Paul says, I'm a debtor? I'm a debtor to God, but I'm a debtor to you. I'm a debtor to God, though. Jesus, who saved me and gave me the responsibility to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, there's no more sacred trust than you'll ever be given than that. You, whether you like it or you don't like it, if you receive the gift of eternal life, you now become a debtor to God, and you, you'll never be able to pay him back, but he asks you to go into the world and spread the good news that you got saved, tell him how you got saved, and tell him I'm the Savior and the Lord, and I love him and want to save him. Smile, Jesus loves you. Put it everywhere. Go everywhere with it. Get creative. So you do. And so poor unprofitable servant gets cast out into outer darkness and weeping and gnashing and teeth. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure what all that means. Not sure what that means. All I know is I don't want it. Rather than to get theological with you, I can just tell you, I don't want what the one guy, what the one talent got that didn't do it. I don't, whatever he's doing, whatever that is, I don't want it. That's not where I want to go. We are earthen vessels that God has chosen to carry the greatest treasure ever created. That's the gospel. Second um, Corinthians 4, 7, we quote it often, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's this body. As, as, as um, I'm going to try to say, I'm going to try to be right, as uh, stumbling, stammering, uh, stupid as we can be, 
as as yet he said this that's who I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put the greatest treasure in those kinds of vessels. That's who we are. I've seen people who had strokes have to relearn to talk, and they talked funny. And they went out and preached all over the United States. God used them more after they had the stroke than before they had the stroke. Amazing. I've heard people with lisps that if you would listen to them, you'd want to, you'd want to almost giggle by the way they pronounce certain words and stuff. And they, they, they've been powerful soul winners. God will use this earthen vessel. He knows it's all corruption. He knows it's corrupt. He knows it's faulty. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Because you, you ask yourself, why would God use us? Why would God send us into the world? Why didn't he use these angels? They're much more powerful, much more excellent. Yes, but there wouldn't be as much contrast between the excellency of God's power and us. And what he wants you to see is he wants you to see him working through you. And then you sit back and go, wow, there is a God. There's not a God because pastor says so. There's not a God because just the Bible says so. Though that's all good. There's a God because I have felt his presence. I have seen his power. In transforming an alcoholic to a sober man, a drunk addict to a to a, a good man and a faithful person, an immoral adulterer, wicked to a to a faithful a husband, and the transformation of the life. Woo! I stand before you, a miracle of God. And anybody that knew me when I was eighteen would, if they were here, would say, and Kathy Mouse will say. Kathy and I were wicked, wicked. I like in verse 6 before that, the context, by the way, of 4-7, verse 6, before God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, to shine in our hearts, to give the God, light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So you've you got to admit the context is right. 2 Corinthians 4-7, 4-6, right to get 4-6, 4-7. It's the context, is the knowledge of God. God has entrusted you to the gospel. And, and he says in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. I had somebody mention to me yesterday that they had read a book on heaven. And uh, they were enthused about the book. And it had encouraged them about life. It was out-of-body experiences, people that were flatlined and came back, and, and all of those, literally thousands and thousands of those. I read a book called Voices of the Edge of Eternity. But here's what I got a problem with those books. Muslims got that testimony. Buddhists got that testimony. That every, heaven, I, I, I'm trying to think of the girl that starred in Basic Instinct, and whatever that girl's name was, I did not watch the movie. But she is a beautiful girl. And she had a bleed in her brain and flatline. And she says she was escorted to this bright light 
and it was beautiful and everything was fabulous and she never felt better. And then she was forced to go back into her body and she was giving this testimony on TV about how she says, I used to fear death. Now she's a heathen. And she does not believe at all in the gospel. She doesn't believe at all in Christ. And she's saying, death, you don't have to. She's out giving a testimony. You don't have to fear death. You know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I said, do you think Satan is the deceiver of the whole world? The Bible says he is, Revelation 12, 9. Do you, see that he can, you, do you believe he can make you see something that's not true? does it all the time. Do you believe that the out-of-body experiences, he could give you a feeling everything was going to be bliss when it's not going to be? So that the word on the street would be that you don't have to fear death, you don't have to worry about religion, you don't have to worry about your soul, you don't have to, that's a bunch of bunk, you just go ahead and live, try to, you know, help old ladies across the street, do, you know, give a few bucks to charity once in a while, and, and try to keep the Ten Commandments so you won't, and you'll be all right. That's a lie from hell. Sent more people to hell than anybody, anything I've ever heard. Because why do I know that? From going door to door some 45 years, I hear that over and over and over again. Why would you go to heaven? Well, I've tried to do right. I've tried to treat my fellow man right. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, wow, you'll never make it. Bible says, he that offendeth the law in one point is guilty of it all. You're not going to stand before God and say you gave the Jerry Lewis telethon or that you helped some people or that you didn't murder anybody though you hated people or you never had immorality with any woman though you lusted on women uh, that were not your wife. You're going to be so guilty. The Bible says, Romans chapter 2, I believe it is, the Bible says every mouth will be stopped. The evidence is going to be overwhelming. People will go, man, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I am guilty. And they'll fall on their knees and say, Jesus, you're right. I'm wrong. You're Lord. But that won't help them. An angel is going to come, grab them by the arm, and throw them into a place called the lake of fire where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a sad day. Nobody in their right mind would want anybody to go to hell. God doesn't want them to go to hell. He doesn't want the little ones to go to hell. He's not willing that any should perish. We're doing everything we know to do, one way, how we know to do it, to try to get folks to not go there. Amen? This door-to-door visitation is not just another thing to maybe do. This is life and death for people. And we need all the help we can get. We need a couple hours Twice a month, four hours a month, you won't believe how many people you'll be able to give an opportunity to believe in just four hours. Wow. There's no other name under heaven. The gospel. The gospel. We desperately need to take the entrustment that God has given us seriously. And be faithful in a few things. Be faithful in a few things. Amen? You're not going to be able to do it all. But pick a couple things that God, that you believe you, that God will help you to do. In, any, in whatever, if it's not this church, another church. Pick a ministry 
First pick one ministry and do it well. Then if, you had no, if you're able, do two ministries and do it well. Maybe if you're able, do three ministries and do it well. Maybe if you're able, do four. I've seen people with five different ministries, and they all do them well. When you start doing one not well, drop one and go back to the four, go back to the three, go back to the two. But work. For the night's coming which no man can work. Work. Because you're going to have a stroke someday and not be able to talk. Or the big one. And you're not going to be able to tell another person about Jesus. You know the big one. That's the big heart attack. What a beautiful way to go. Ernie Leonard has some heart trouble recently. Ernie Leonard, when I was up fishing with him, told me that his dad, his brothers, his family on both sides all died before they were 60 of heart attacks. They all clog up. They all just get, they all genetically just clog up. I'm looking at him going, he's driving. I said, Ernie, you know, you're going to 80. Uh, I said, you know, you can have the big one anytime. He said, yeah, I could. He's out in the boat there, you know, and I, I paid attention. I'll tell you what, it woke me up. He had a little heart trouble. He got a little shortness of breath the other day. And for him, that's big, you know, because with that kind of history, he goes in, he's clean as a whistle. You know, they went through the wrist. They get they go through the wrist now. I like that. They go through the wrist. They said, man, you're no blockage. I said, Ernie, he called me, and he says, it's a miracle. Doc, you know it's a miracle, genetic miracle, that he, of all, his dad, his brothers, his family on both sides, and he don't, he's not blocked up at all. And the doc said, I want you to eat green, the cardiologist, eat green. He says, what is eat green? He said, you know, only fish, only chicken, turkey, no red meat, and lots of vegetables. And he looked at the guy and he said, I'm 70 years old. You said I wasn't blocked up, right? Yeah, you're not blocked up. He said, I've eaten all the grease I can stuff in my face. I, I've eaten at McDonald's. I've eaten at Burger King. I've eaten at all the fast food restaurants. I love sweets. I'm overweight. I'm going to stay with what I've been doing. I don't I say that if you're here or not here. I've said, we had another little skinny old deacon, little skinny old deacon. You know, his arms are about that big around. And you think them guys are going to live to about 200, right? Well, you do. I mean, you know, he didn't have any way. And that boy, that old boy, I helped him carry a bunch of stuff up the steps back here before this building was built. This was just built. And I helped him in 1988 carry a bunch of stuff from his truck. And he and I, buddy, he was, he was load for load up them steps. I was in my early 30s, I think, and load for load up them steps. I thought, man, he goes to the doctor the next day. He has a bunch of problems, and he's all blocked up, has to have bypass, just about dies in the bypass and everything. I I said, skinny people ain't supposed to have have, have that trouble. The guy said, after he got all his bypass done, I want you to eat green. That boy would get an egg and take the good part out of it, the yellow part. I said, give me that yellow part. I know some things for certain tonight. I know for certain you're going to die or be raptured. But what I'm, gonna, what I'm saying is your opportunity to obey God is going to be over. You have a window, and I have a window that has been given us. And we don't know how long it is. 
And God does that purposely, so you trust him day by day and through each passing moment, I want to say. And, and you'll just do it. You'll just put one foot in front of the other. I, I was able to serve God today. I'm able to serve God tomorrow. I'm able to serve God Tuesday. I'm able to serve God Wednesday. I'm able to serve God Thursday. And someday, there won't be another day. And you'll be happy, happy, happy you serve God. But bigger than that, the people that got saved or influenced for Christ while you were doing that will be happy, happy, happy. Amen? Oh, I thank God that somebody told me about Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God, I'm glad. We just need to do that which is lead little, the least, a few things, not a lot of things. Don't get so overcomplicated with this thing. Read your Bible through every year. You can do that. Memorize some scripture. You can do that. Pray for folks. You can do that. Come to church. You can do that. Support a local body of believers so that the missionaries get supported and, and the bus ministries are organized and done. Stuff that you can't do by yourself. Do that. Witness to your neighbors. Witness to those you work with. Try to give them a gospel track. Do, you can do that. You can do that. Support missions by the grace of God. $5 a year if that's all you can do. You can do that. Because you have been entrusted with the most sacred thing there is on the planet, and that is the gospel. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be faithful. Focus. What, what is the focus of the parable? Reproduction. God, I like old Tom Gillespie. Tom Gillespie, he's into, we used to say this together, Tom, you're really in, you want to, you uh, let me see if I get this right. His daughter's here, so this may go back, you know. More bang for the buck. He's into the, he's in, he wants some bang for the buck. I mean, he, he, he don't want to give a buck without getting something, you know, some, some reproduction. I like that. For, you know, you take that in a spiritual realm. That's a beautiful thing. Do, do, do things that God is into you. He says, well, he gave me salvation. It's a free gift. Yes, it's a free gift of eternal life. But after that, he expects you to obey him. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? I mean, isn't that like uh, almost an oxymoron with emphasis on the moron? You say, Jesus, I love you, and then don't obey him. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You say, Jesus is my friend, and then do not those things which he says. He says, if you're my friend, you'll do what I tell you to do. So if you love Jesus, you'll obey him. If you're his friend, you'll do it. You'll obey him. If you're grateful for being saved, you'll obey him. Amen? So what's the problem? Selfishness. Self-life will rob you. You'll be so busy grabbing the pleasures of this world. What's it say in the parable of the sower? What robs the one seed of fruit? It says, when it interprets it, you know, when it interprets what happened there. The deceptiveness of riches. What's the deceptiveness of riches? That you can keep them? You can't keep anything here. 
I have a beautiful little five-acre plot. My wife is doing a fabulous job of improving it since she retired, which is a surprise to me, by the way. I thought she'd go back to BB&T and still, you know, go back to BB&T, and, and after she retired, she'd get bored a little while being around me and stuff like that. But she decided she wanted to clean our palmettos. Now, if you're familiar with palmettos, we call them palmetto stands, the circles of palmettos. And she started getting there with, with this little clipper, hand clipper, no electricity, and just clipping the dead limbs off of those old and ugly palmettos and then and getting them just where there was green on them. Then they all fall to the bed. She'd rake all that stuff out and get in the deepest part of the palmetto where all those snakes and rattlesnakes and, and all them bad boy snakes, she gets right in there fearlessly and has not even seen. The first snake she saw was yesterday, and it was a little black, blue racer, black black snake, which is harmless. And she, and she uh, pulls all that stuff out, and we hauls, gets down, lifts it up at her age, and puts it in the back of the car, takes it, and we, I've been burning, 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 burning. I call her my little palmetto rat. You know, because rats have, pal palmettos have rats, I mean. She's my little palmetto rat. That's, a, that's an endearment, by the way, a term of endearment. And I said, man, Kathy, you're a, this is beautiful. And I, you, there's nothing more beautiful than a cleaned up Palmetto stand. It's just beautiful. The palmetto is a beautiful plant if you clean it up. I used to burn them all just to keep the fire hazard down, but you never got. But now we got oak trees growing in them. The squirrels have planted. The squirrels got, and I love squirrels. They plant these acorns. They forget where they're at. The oak trees grow up. I, I will tell her that tree right there, if you went to buy that, that's a $125 tree. That, that squirrel planted that for free and forgot about it. I got oak trees. Now, I'm going to have in, in 20 years, if Jesus tarries, Troy is going to look at, if he, if he keeps it, Troy's going to, we're going to have a massive oak forest until the hurricane, like over there in the Bahamas, sets on you and everything blows down. It's all gone. There's just nothing permanent, is there? What did the Bahamas teach you? It should teach you something. Nothing's permanent at this side of heaven. Could that happen here? Absolutely. You could get a certain set of circumstances put together where a front was coming down, stop the hurricane in the middle, and just sit there and churn over top of you 185 mile an hour. All this is gone. All the roof's junk gone. Your house is all gone. All of our economy is gone. People don't even want to live here anymore. It's just only the grace of God that didn't happen. And I thank him for it. So, brother, don't you let the deceptiveness of material things grab you and rob you. Now, now you can have stuff. God wants you to have stuff. As long as you understand in your head and don't let it own you, but you own it and use it for the glory of God. Amen? Be generous. What's he saying in second? First Timothy chapter 6, he tells rich people, he tells them what to do. He says, be generous, share, give. What a great feeling it is to be able to give. Wow. I love givings. I love givings. I love it. Nothing's better than that. To be able to give the gospel. I hope that by the grace of God, you're faithful in a few things. Just a few. Father, help us tonight.
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.